we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. If you hear the dogs, keep going. If you see the torches in the woods, keep going. If they're shouting after you, keep going. Don't ever stop. Keep going. If you want a taste of freedom, keep going. That's what Harriet Tubman said, and I believe that too. I'm Dr. Marilyn Singleton, and welcome to America Out Loud Pulse. One of the most important things we can do is keep trying. Sometimes it seems humanity and common sense have left the building. Schools have allowed politics to infiltrate education. And I'm not talking about a seminar or class in political science or a balanced discussion about history or current events. This is teachers openly announcing their political persuasions in class. Some go so far as to tell students who to vote for. And that's not the civics class I remember. When the mayor came to our class to tell us to be involved in our city and to vote when we were old enough, he gave no hint of what his political party was. Now, we have ethnic studies in high school. Now, that's a good idea gone bad. This was meant to teach students about history and cultures and struggles and contributions of minority groups in our country, and that had been sorely lacking in textbooks for years. But now, in the name of equity, some schools have stopped academic honors programs. This is perverse. Clearly, the way to push lagging students forward is not by holding others back. Now, some of the curricular are preaching a particular point of view. With the current Palestinian conflict, conflict The perpetrators of barbarism and savagery upon babies are presented as resistance fighters rather than terrorists in a conflict with an extremely complicated history. Personally, I've lived through unfair housing, segregated school dances, and participated in sit-ins at Woolworths. There was a time when mean-spirited ethnic jokes were socially acceptable, but such racist behavior just organically faded over the last 50 years and racial equality was on the rise. Diversity meant we interacted with all sorts of folks as fellow human beings. Now racism is being reintroduced. The schools teach what's important about a person is their ethnicity, not their character. It's no wonder we have a new wave of anti-Semitism running rampant in our schools and spinning out of control across the country. We've got to work to stop this dangerous trajectory. We all, especially children, need ways to strengthen our most positive traits and deal with our negative emotions. We have to learn how to live in a space grounded in human dignity rather than fear. My guests will discuss what's happening in schools and how we can work to raise our children with a mindset of common humanity, not divisiveness. 
Dr. Diana Blum is a board-certified neurologist who completed her medical training at University of Chicago and her neurology residency at Stanford, and she's currently in private practice in California, where she focuses on the chronic management of patients with Parkinson's. Jason Littlefield has been an educator for over 20 years. In 2017, he established Empowered ED Pathways and co-designed the Empowered Humanity Theory, a framework for life, leadership, and learning. He recently has written a book, Empowered Humanity Theory, a Framework for an Empowering and Dignified Life. Welcome to the show, Dr. Blum and Jason Littlefield. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Okay. I am going to start with Dr. Blum. First of all, just Tell folks a little bit about your background, where you're from, and what your family history is, briefly. Well, so uh, I personally am a refugee from the former Soviet Union, uh, Ukraine in particularly. Um, I came to this country in 1981, um, but left in 1980. So we spent a, almost a year uh, stateless uh, living in, in Italy, basically just waiting for a country to accept us. And that's often the history of uh, diaspora Jews who are forced to, to leave their homes. Prior to that, um, you know, I'm actually a granddaughter of Holocaust survivors. Um, my uh, grandfather survived. He was originally from Romania and lived until he was 100 until last um, last year he passed away. And I only bring that up is because um, just listening to all of his stories and hearing how life was like in the 1930s, um, it's, uh, it's hitting a little bit close to home right now with what I'm seeing happening um, in this country. Well, I'll say now you mentioned the 1930s and I this may sound off topic, but I know there's some people out there who have seen this movie and I recently saw it and reminded me so much of what's going on now and uh, Israel this movie, it's a little-known Brad Pitt movie, and it was called World War Z, and it's it's an end-of-the-world saga, and it had a zombie-causing virus taking over the world, and the UN, who Brad Pitt was working for, wondered why Israel had reacted before everybody else did, and they built a huge wall around Jerusalem. And so Brad Pitt is talking to the Mossad agent, and he said, how did you do it? How did you know? And he, the Mossad agent said, most people don't believe something can happen until it does. He said, in the 1930s, Jews refused to believe they could be sent to concentration camps. In 1972, we refused to believe we could be massacred at the Olympics. After they ignored the signs of war in 1973, they decided to use something called the Tenth Man Rule. And that's where if nine people who get the same information arrive at the same conclusion, it was the duty of the 10th man to disagree. And so when they got this notice about the zombies, this fellow decided to investigate the zombies and decided they would fight against it. And 
I say that because I'm thinking of what's happening now, and I'll have Dr. Blum tell us some of the things she's seen and heard of because she's so involved in her kids and in school and some of the issues going on in school where people are refusing to believe that such bad things are happening, but we've got to believe it. So tell us, Dr. Blum, what's going on and what are you trying to do about it? So, um, you know, here in California, there has been a real big push to um, make this ethnic studies um, course uh, a mandatory course for all students um, who are graduating high school. And actually, now it's the law. It's the only mandated class, actually, to graduate high school. But um, here we are with AB 101. Um, when I originally heard about this class, I had no issues with it. I, you know, as as a fellow refugee, I think it's important for us to learn about all the different cultures um, and all the different struggles that make up this great state and this great nation. I mean, for me, when I came to America, this was the haven, right? This is the first time I felt I was not going to be called a dirty Jew. Um, and um, and so then I started looking into, okay, well, what what are the kids actually going to be learning? And what I saw was this, this one kind of lens, uh, this oppressor, oppressed kind of binary um, lens that every single lesson was going to be um, framed in. And so that was the first thing that caught my eye, especially coming from the former Soviet Union, where, you know, this very much resonated with kind of Marxist philosophies. Um, And so, you know, I didn't want to jump to conclusions. So I actually went to the district office and requested to to evaluate the actual curriculum, the lesson plans. Um, The first thing that um, bothered me was that the uh, administrators refused to show me any of the supplementary materials. They said it's at the, you know, uh, teacher's discretion. And I'm hoping as an educator, Jason can comment on, well, how did, you know, how do teachers decide what material is appropriate in a certain classroom versus not? Um, Because I, you know, the stuff that now that my kids are actually in it and taking ethnic studies, like I'm seeing how inappropriate the material is. But um, going back to reviewing the the original 400 page binder, um, you know, I what I saw was a lot of lessons. I would say, pretty much all the lessons were focused on identity, race essentialism, grouping people based on immutable characteristics, and then through this concept of intersectionality, pegging groups of people against each other. So for me, you know, especially as a Jew who came from Holocaust survivors, like anytime you start using immutable characteristics to peg people into groups and then peg groups against each other, that doesn't sit well. So I raised my concerns in a, you know, three-page letter to the board, the superintendent, in good faith saying, can we explore this? Can we, you know, figure out how do we improve on this um, curriculum? But, um, 
my letter was dismissed. Uh, there was actually no public comment on this. Um, essentially, the, the schools want to push this type of ideology through with no um, no regard for the you know negative consequences and the harm. And so three years ago, when I brought this up, everyone thought I was crazy. And, you know, and I even three years ago said, gosh, this makes me worried we're going to be feeling like 1930s Germany. And everyone laughed. Well, fast forward three years, and now we have major violence in our classroom, major anti-Semitic events happening in the schools, and, um, and you know, curriculums that are clearly biased, clear, like just complete misinformation on history. History no longer matters. Facts no longer matter. It's all about oppressor or press and who gets the right to speak based on, again, skin color or your oppressed status. This is just wrong. And um, I think this is going to breed more hate, more violence. And, you know, as as you know, as a neurologist, neurons that fire together, wire together. The more you practice this kind of division, the more you're going to get hate and violence. And so I'm hoping with Jason's work, we can introduce a counter narrative. We can introduce the things that actually, if you practice, will help strengthen our common humanity and bring back, you know, to the core values of our nation, which I think we've gotten so far from. Well, thank you for that overview of what's going on. And there's so many incidents. What really bugs me is when you have all this focus on race, some people have carried it too far and they're looking at things that don't matter and ignoring things that do matter. For example, kids all in the the same area, and these are areas in California where kids have been called dirty names, kike and, you know, bad names. And then it's been labeled, oh, it's a political statement rather than hate. Yet there is a poor little kid, a little kid who put the black grease on his cheeks like how the NFL players do, and all of them, black or white NFL players, and they said he was in blackface and he was suspended from all sports events. I mean, this is phony baloney. Yet when there's real hate happening, they do nothing about it. So it's our world has, I think, I feel like it's gone crazy. And uh, the kids in school are the ones who are suffering because they don't know any better. They don't know how to speak up. They're afraid they'll get a bad grade if they say something that's contrary to what the teacher says. And this has got to stop. So after the break, we are going to start talking with Jason and kind of get his take since he's looking at new ways to deal with these issues. And to me, this nastiness that humans have been mistreating each other for years. So how do we deal with this? What do we do? And what's a realistic way to deal with the I'll call it the new racism, the new divisiveness, the, the, the new hatred. So we'll discuss that after the break. I'd just like to thank everybody for listening. And you'll probably hear me have to talk about this again because it's such a been such a help to me. It's CoFixRx, 
we're in the cold and flu season, like right in the midst, and people are starting to gather for the holidays. So it's really important to try to protect ourselves. Cofix RX is a nasal spray, and its main ingredient is povidone iodine, which is a powerful antiviral. And the name Cofix, it kind of comes because this was invented during COVID, but it kills all sorts of viruses as well as bacteria. And you have to look at using this like using your airbag in your car. It'll reduce the impact of the virus on your body, help catch them in the nose before they've had a chance to go down to your lungs and help keep keep us healthier. I use it. I use it after I go out shopping and and are gonna go in crowds and be around people I'm I'm not normally around. And I feel like it's been a big help for me. One of the wonderful things I like about it, it was invented in the USA and it's manufactured in the USA. So kind of what could be better than that? So check it out. We have a little cofix button on our page and uh, read more about it. See if it's right for you. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. Now, before the break, I said that I'd like to talk to Jason about what is wrong with us and how his ideas can help make us right. And with a particular focus on trying to get these young minds on the right track. So like Dr. Blum says, get those neurons in good practice of the proper way to act, the human way to act. So what's wrong with society and how are we going to make it better? Well, uh, that is a tall order, but (laughs) looking at society from a bird's eye view, uh, I do believe I've kind of identified, uh, hey, here's what's wrong with us. And if we can shift in this particular way, uh, I think things will be a lot better for us. 
And back to uh, Dr. Blum's mentioning of the neurons that fire together, wire together, around 2017-2018, I had the realization of that concept and that this new oppressor-oppressed narrative is primarily building the neural pathways associated with the emotional responses of shame and resentment. And I also noticed that we were prioritizing group identities over individual identities. And that every time, not only that, but also having the group uh, compete for power and resources against each other versus how do we work towards all getting along with each other. So I had this realization that, oh my gosh, we are cultivating the neural pathways of shame and resentment and teaching each other to look at at each other through lenses of fear and judgment. And these are the new pathways that we are building And this is not going to be good for our species because we're setting ourselves up for perpetual conflict with each other. No matter how much you look at the intersectional groups, there's there's conflict with each other. And I also see how society is organizing is a complete violation of human dignity And looking at Donna Hicks's research on dignity, she's identified how dignity violations are kind of the root of human harm and lashing out and isolation. And also, whenever we see each other primarily as part of another group, it instinctively cultivates the innate human capacities for prejudice, aggression, cruelty. Even if we're not intending to strengthen those pathways, we are. So at the time I was working as a social emotional learning specialist, and that's how I was able to, I guess, notice this because everything that I did professionally in my free time was just trying to figure out more about human emotions, and what can we do that's better? So that's how I essentially landed on empowered humanity theory as a set of attitudes to develop and use as a lens for interacting with oneself and the world and three pathways of practice so that we can practice doing the things that make us the very best that we can be and decrease those capacities and propensities to harm each other because we are wired in a way that we can do great harm to each other and or we can work together and solve 
some of the most complex issues that we face. It's just up to us to decide which pathway we want to take. Well, uh, and I'm going to ask you quite specifically how we do it. As I'm listening to you talk, it brings up that whole idea of how we call it othering. And when Dr. Blum is talking about the oppressor and oppressed that we're seeing taught in schools, and you bring that up again, that this whole idea, if we look at each other as something different, something other than us, rather than we're all the same, basically, there's just some external uh, coats and jackets that we have on that are a little bit different, but we take off our jacket and we're all fine underneath. And it looks like, and hopefully you'll tell us as soon as I shut up, is that some of the things are to stop that sort of uh, othering of one another. So instead of these pigeonholes that yours is more of a whole identity. So tell us, you know, what are some of the basic steps that you look at to get to that idea where you look at people as the whole and not the parts, so to speak? Yes, of of course. Uh, Well, and also, just to reiterate, whenever we do see someone as an other, it psychologically justifies doing harm to that person and to people that look like them. So it it justifies us mistreating people whenever we see them as an other. That's a response reaction that is wired into us. But, uh, or, and, whenever we view someone as we view ourselves, then we are building the psychological capacities that prevent us from harming that person. So the the way I talk about it is is cultivating a dignity lens. And by dignity, you know, you ask a thousand people what dignity means, that you'll get probably a thousand and one different answers at least. But I talk about it in a particular way that distinguishes the human from the being and the human, our human part is the culmination of our biologies and personalities, you know, our skin color, our gender, our hair, our language, religion, personality, sense of humor, all of those different things. And as many people on the earth that there are, there's that many humans because we are all uniquely different and unique. So recognizing that we are completely different from every single person, however, beneath that human part of us is our beings and all beings share two distinct qualities and are interconnected with each other. And those qualities are the desire to avoid suffering. Nobody wants to, nobody wants to experience any sort of physical or psychological suffering. And the desire 
or then the willingness to alleviate suffering when we encounter it. Like, you know, whenever, whenever every person sees an element of suffering, there's something within us that wants to alleviate that. So having a dignity lens is a recognizing the unique and worthiness of all people and that beneath all of those biological and personality cultural differences we are all very much the same to our core so it's it's up to us not to do harm to these other human beings out there and to honor them as we honor ourselves and the more that we practice that attitude and engage in very simple tasks that strengthen that attitude, then we will finally break the walls of indignity that have separated us and divided us for thousands of years. Well, one of the things you say in your book that struck me and kind of as a way, I think, for many people, when you understand the roots of things, it, it helps us change, that you talk about changing your mindset from fear to compassion. And you said evolutionary psychology instilled us in us a bias toward negativity because it protects us against threats. But we mm -hmm. keep that even if no danger is present. I just think that's a fascinating way to look at that in a way, you know, why we're mean, why we're suspicious. And yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it's survival, it's, right? Those things yeah. got ingrained because we needed, we were, <laughs> were creatures that were living in an area where it was primitive, right? So you had to, the, the sympathetic nervous system, the fight, flight, freeze response, that's what's hardwired. But that doesn't serve us very well today, right? Sorry to interrupt, but I just- No, that's, um, no. that's why uh, you're here. And, and to have and the neurologist be able to tell us that, that this is a mumbo jumbo. It's real. The ideological practices that we've been talking about actually- appeal and stimulate and strengthen our most primitive parts of our brain mm -hmm. is the is the other thing so it it keeps us and the believers and practitioners and teachers it keeps them in this primitive thinking and emotional responding state and that's that's really that that's a disturbing thing to think about. Well, it's it, and like Dr. Blum just said, this survival and our brain. I mean, I guess that's why, even though some of these basic tenets, you know, look at your core values, look at people like individuals, and all this sort of thing. It sounds simple, but it's hard, Dr. Blum. I mean, talk a little more about that hard wiring and and why it's so hard to jump out of it. 
Right. Well, I mean, I think our physiology is is such that, you know, <laughs> evolutionarily, we need to do what is best for, again, our, our survival. So if you feel threatened or you're in fear, that primitive part of the brain, which um, Jason describes in his book, the amygdala, that which also happens to be a, a pleasure center, right? So um, you can sometimes stimulate it, and that's why we get a, a addictive behaviors. And, and this is why this is so dangerous, because hate can can become an addiction. I mean, if you go back to, you know, true genocides, the, the, there is no thinking brain involved. It's all kind of a, a follow the rules. This is why mob like behavior is is can quickly turn, you know, into atrocities. Um, and and so we we're all kind of wired the same way. And this is why it takes our active you know, thinking brain that's evolved the higher order processes to counter that primitive reaction towards violence. And that's why practicing things that actually mitigate that primal reaction is what's going to help live in a much more, you know, loving, well, better relationship society. Um, And I feel like the reason, you know, one of the things that struck me when October 7th happened was that, that this a lot of the youth, the younger generation has lost its moral compass. I mean, th- there wasn't even um, that human, you know, what Jason said about the wanting to alleviate the suffering, like the the Israelis or Jews, or actually a lot of them were not even uh, Jewish, but the, the people that were tortured on October 7th, the reaction was almost like, well, they, they did, they deserved it, or this was part of, you know, um, the struggle. And it, you can only react that way when you've dehumanized someone to the point where the, their lives are worthless. And that's, that's was to me like, whoa, the biggest reality check of where we are here in America today is that we have, you know, several generations of of kids who have lost their moral compass because what they've been trained to is this primitive way of looking at everything, of of humans, of of interaction. So um, I think it's very dangerous where we are today without a reversal in understanding, you know, what we're capable of as humans, and if you look at some of the atrocities from our past, from Rwanda to the Holocaust, we are capable of very bad, bad things. And so the more we become aware and know how to counter it, the the more likely we can avoid future atrocities. Well, that's what we're going to talk about after the break, some exercises, because I still feel like, you know, when somebody's ugly, that how how does this work when you're dealing with an, uh, somebody who's really acting ugly and really has a hate-filled heart? Are they a lost cause? Are we a lost cause? Do you not talk to them at all? So uh, something Jason has in his book are exercises about multiple things. And I'm going to just pull out a few and uh, would like to go through them. And maybe this will give us all a few little hints on how to just behave a little better with one another. So we'll get into that after the break. Right now, 
I would like to thank everyone for listening to America Out Loud Pulse. As you know, we are always a beat ahead. We've got our free apps on Apple, Android, and Alexa, and you can hear Pulse every weekday at 5 p.m. and on iHeartRadio at 8 a.m. the next morning. All of our shows go direct to podcast in 24 hours. That's a great part for me because everybody always can't listen at the same time. And our episodes are on lots of networks, Apple, Spotify, Pandora, TuneIn, Stitcher, and iHeart. So make it easy. Bookmark americaoutloud.news forward slash pulse. One of the fun things I like about the show is you won't get bored. It's a different doctor every night. Me, Dr. Marilyn Singleton, I'm on on Mondays. Tuesdays, we've got Dr. Jordan Vaughn and Dr. Stuart Tankersley. Wednesday, Dr. Peter McCulloch. Thursday, Dr. Peter Bregan and Ginger Ross Bregan. And Fridays with epidemiologist Dr. Harvey Reich. And if that's not enough medicine for you, we've got Nurses Out Loud on Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. Lots of medicine, lots of politics, sometimes more one and the other, but it's always interesting to listen to. So thanks again for listening. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced. These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. 
boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Lean, pure, with premium ingredients. Global Healing's Pure Plant Protein offers 20 grams of protein per scoop, and it's a perfect way to maintain and build lean muscle while indulging yourself. It combines enzymes and probiotics to maximize nutrient absorption, improving digestion, and your gut health. Available in vanilla and chocolate flavors, elevate your protein consumption while supporting your overall wellness with pure plant protein. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Before the break, I was talking to Dr. Blum and Mr. Littlefield about some exercises to try to train our brain to work with strangers, see strangers as human, and maybe even be able to draw in somebody who's, I don't know, really, really recalcitrant and somewhat hateful. So I'm going to ask Jason, okay, one of the exercises you have is how to honor the dignity of strangers or the dignity of somebody you disagree with. What steps would you take if you're in a conversation with them? Well, let me, can I read straight from the book, this idea of honor the dignity of strangers? Go ahead. You wrote it. (laughs) to To answer that question as well, because I will also say that, uh, Every single encounter and situation is uniquely different. So one way uh, that I answer that question is that I approach everything as a unique situation and make those some of those decisions in the moment based on what I'm seeing. So I'll just read from this book uh, to solidify the overall idea if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It says, honoring the dignity of strangers is an important practice for cultivating compassion and understanding towards others, even when we don't know them personally. Here's an exercise that can help you honor the dignity of strangers. So again, we can just practice towards people we don't even know. So just simply the idea of, I'm going to, honor the dignity of this other person that I don't know, I don't have a connection, but I'm going to intentionally engage in this practice to strengthen my dignity. To start by acknowledging that every person has inherent worth and dignity, regardless of their background or circumstance. So again, see, see them as a whole unique person, regardless of what judgments may be popular. Recognize that each person you encounter, even strangers, has their own unique experiences, feelings, and perspectives. So think about, you know, those, sometimes I think about what are, what are people in in their cars doing? Where are they going? What is, 
what is their story, uh, especially at, at airports and airplanes as well. Then practice being present and attentive when interacting with strangers. And I, t I take that to be like cashiers whenever I'm checking out at places. I'm attentive and present with that cashier and have a positive human interaction. Then back to the book, it says, this means putting away distractions like your phone or any other devices and focusing your attention on the person in front of you. And that's a big one in today's world, especially when we're in line or with, with a cashier or somebody that it's typically easy, easy to neglect or to bypass, but whenever we can spend that intentional moment with them, we're actually strengthening our dignity. Uh, then it goes on to say, practice active listening when speaking with strangers, ask questions to learn more about their experiences and perspectives, and try to understand their point of view as fully as possible. Especially now, this is strangers that maybe you're having an online discussion about or an online encounter about. And that's that ask questions to understand their point of view or perspective. So again, just these simple, these simple exercises. And like I said, I can, I can apply that to every interaction that I have. Like, Okay, so one thing I can do is not be on my phone when I'm in stores or in airports and look around and have a conversation and listen. Uh, I've had some really interesting conversations and been a part of strangers celebrating big moments in their lives. So just the more we can proactively do something like that, we are strengthening our dignity lens, which is decreasing our innate capacities for prejudice, aggression, and cruelty. So the more we are intentional about honoring the dignity of all people, we are stifling and tamping down those primitive responses that, uh, Dr. Bloom was talking about earlier. It's interesting you talk about, and you're talking about being in line or looking in the airports and and chatting with people. First of all, once you get over the idea that are they going to think I'm a wacko if I pick up a conversation, but a lot of times people are sitting there, especially at the airport, they've been there for two hours already and they're bored, and striking up a conversation with a stranger it, in the airport or someplace public is a good way to start that wiring, at least for me, because you're in a safe place. I would not talk to a stranger in a dark alley, but sitting on two seats in the airport, it's highly unlikely that anything bad can happen to you. And so that's a good practice place. If I can add, um, you know, being 
here from California, um, you know, it's very rare that you get a diversity of thought. And so I love um, traveling and hearing, um, you know, other people's perspectives. And it's always funny when I'm out of California, people actually do make eye contact and smile. And I feel, unfortunately, and maybe I, this is my own bias, but here it's like everyone is really looking down on a screen and there's there is not as much of that, um, you know, warmth. You have to almost really actively try. And then sometimes because it people are not used to it, you can sense there's a little hesitancy. But the more we practice. So my point is, I think people like in the Midwest seem to practice this more. And so it becomes more naturally. And you just feel it when you travel, you know, across this country, which I very much recommend doing. Um, and And, you know, this is what I mean by the whole othering. And when you don't practice it is sometimes people just close off if they just assume, oh, you're far right or you're, you know, conservative. This is what I hear in California. And it's like, well, I'm a human being and here's what I think and here's how I came, you know, to my conclusions or thoughts. And, you know, I would love to hear your perspective and and that dialogue doesn't happen too much we we tend to label we tend to do the opposite of what jason is you know explaining here that would actually help us um improve our relationships well it's it's kind of funny because you can form this opinion about somebody and uh and think oh well this is a really nice person and then you know i don't i can't think right at this moment what they'd say oh I, you know, kill animals for a living or whatever, is that going to make you change your opinion about the person? Or does it just add a layer to that person that, you know, it's something you wouldn't want to do, you wouldn't want to be a hunter, but the guy's a hunter. So suddenly, is he a horrible person just because of that one thing? So it, it's parsing out and learning about people is I say it's interesting. You learn a lot. And I think in these public arenas, not only like Dr. Blum mentioned, that you meet people when you're traveling from different parts of the country and all over the country, they're very different. I'm a native Californian. And but even as being a native Californian, for one of the original natives and all these many years seeing California change, it used to be considered very friendly where people would just strike up conversations. And now everybody's looking down even before cell phones and not making eye contact. So it, it's, it's just very interesting how different people are. And depending on where you are, somebody might help you load your car in Home Depot lot other parts of the country, they're not going to help you. So it's it's just interesting. So we have to learn to talk to people. And uh, one thing Jason said when he talked about active listening and asking open-ended questions of people. And one of the things he points out is to share personal stories that there's so many things that we will have in common. So, um, so what do you do when you're having a political discussion and how do you keep from getting ugly when it's it's like that Beatles song, you know, 
why don't you see it my way, you know, that mm. <laughs> what, well, what do you do? Oh, uh, one thing that I do to start is I don't really have too many political conversations. So that helps me quite a bit. Uh, but I remember having a conversation with a professional colleague years ago about this ideological approach and what it what it does and would you know what humans behave poorly when we prioritize othering and are reinforcing shame and resentment and all of this is this this approach this DEI approach that we're doing is rooted in collectivist political philosophy, not, you know, cognitive neuroscience or human psychology, these things that are that are best for us. And in this 15 minute conversation, I was screamed at on three different occasions. Uh, and each each one of those occasions, it was also screamed at me that I needed therapy uh, for this. And this is with somebody that I had a, a friendship with for many years. Uh, but then this, so what I, how I handled this was I just, after the third time, I said, that's the third time you screamed at me in this conversation. I'm, I'm going to dip out. So the thing that we can honor the dignity of ourselves and this person that is behaving in an indignified way, uh, especially if our physical safety is guaranteed. I, I felt safe in the situation, but I did feel that my dignity was being attacked. So I just excused myself from that situation and Every time I was around that person after that, I continued to not dwell on that situation, not provoke it, and to, to know that if I were to provoke in a negative way, then that is not honoring the dignity of who I am and that's stepping outside of my values. So it's just a a conscious effort to not behave in in poor ways it's it it sounds kind of easy but it takes a lot of of in the moment practice to get to that point well that's good advice don't be afraid to walk away and don't let your own dignity be trampled on. I yeah. have a, a, a question that I really would like to ask you, and I'd like to ask Dr. Blum, because this is happening more and more that somebody who's perfectly normal, loving individual for having a belief like, I don't think DEI education in school is helpful, and I don't think categorizing children into little silos is helpful. And then their response is, you're a racist. What quick 
can you say? And not you're a moron, but something about yourself. I'll first ask you, Dr. Blum, what would you say if somebody told you that? Well, I usually go back and say, tell me more, um, because I want to understand how they came to that conclusion. Like, mm-hmm. what wh- how, what are they bringing into this conversation that has made them, you know, create this judgment on me? Because that cool. is what it is. They are, what, if I make a point to say, I don't believe kids, you know, should be taught to group each other based on a made book. And this is literally the types of conversations I will have at like school board meetings. Right. And, and so you're describing a situation that actually has come. Well, and that's why I brought it up because it comes (laughs) up all the time. Well, I like that answer. Tell me more. What do you say, Jason? Um, We've got a minute. I would would say, can you can you show me show me how show me show how me how or where where I was right so I I don't do that again and I've never had anybody take me up on but well show me I how. think both of those are very good and I'm marking those down on my little racist diary because this is happening more and more and it's the old you're a homophobe or you know whatever whatever the uh word of the day is going to be. And I think those are very useful. Well, I have really, really gotten a lot and enjoyed this conversation we've had between the two of you. And I hope both of you will come back. Please say yes. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Okay. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. And I'm sure we'll talk again. For now, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to America Out Loud Pulse. And remember, if you have questions of either the host or the guest, you can just click right on the page and send an email. First names are fine, and we'll get an answer back to you. We've got another feature on the show that I really like, and we'll put Jason's book up there too, is AmericaOutloud.shop. We've got products like the Cofix RX. We've got books of the guests on the show, plus other books of interest. And when you go on that website, we're so simple here. You can get a discount with the code out loud. So check it out and you might find something you like. So as I always say, whether you agree or have other opinions about what you've just heard, Please share the show. Thanks again for listening. And until next week, say it loud. I'm free and I'm proud. <laughs>